0: If you sign up for community solar, the fundamental question you should ask is, how is the money split? Your power bill is the reason that this value exists. So if you work with a community solar company who says, come subscribe to this community solar farm and I'll save you 5% on your power bill. The, qu- the immediate place my mind goes is like, well, how much money are you making? <laughs> <laughs> Because I know that if my, if my power bill does not exist mm-hmm. for this community solar company, mm-hmm. they don't even have a business. Welcome to the World Changing Podcast. Was that too much? Yeah, that was probably too much. But let's keep it. We'll keep it anyway. How about this? If we do the podcast and the world doesn't change, then we can take that out. Welcome to the World Changing Podcast, where we deconstruct the projects and products that are moving us towards a decentralized and carbon-free future. We'll talk to the skeptics, supporters, and innovators in the fields that depend on electricity to run their industries, which is changing every single day. I'm your host, Greg Robinson, co-founder of Aston Labs, a decentralized infrastructure company. And on the other side of the camera here, we have Flo Lumpson, our producer, and she We'll make sure that the train stays on the tracks while we do this. Welcome to the first. Uh, it says Gregisode, but it's like Gregosode plus flow. It's a Greg flowosode. <laughs> uh, so these are really interesting. I like these because it allows us to sort of dig deep on topics. And I get to be overly opinionated. Flo gets put on the spot and gets quizzed at the beginning and at the end to see (laughs) how we're doing. Today, we're going to talk about community solar. And we're going to dig into that topic. It's one that is going to start showing up for people on their social media ads and in their mailboxes. So it'll be fun to get your perspective Sorry, your perspective, Flo's perspective. Get Flo's perspective as a consumer of like what this is, and just really get down into the details. Been we're not a lot of times if we have a guest on, like they have a really deep understanding of a topic, they may be like super biased (laughs) about if this is the greatest thing that's ever existed or if this is like the silver bullet solution for the world. So these are really cool episodes because. We just get to dig deep and it's totally self-serving. And Fair game. Fair game. fair game. <laughs> That's right.
1: And self-serving, but also yeah. as a way to introduce topics. Some of you listeners may already be experts on these topics, but maybe yeah. you'll enjoy our perspective as well. Yeah. And then we can carry that conversation. And maybe you won't. But then we can carry the, <laughs> the narrative forward in the future
0: That's right.
1: episodes and, yep. and build on what we're discussing today. Here we go. We spent a whole like hour and a half talking about it last week and I'm yeah. still like I'm like what's community solar? You and don't I have, know. Like, I have a much better sense of what it is.
0: Yeah. What do you think it is?
1: Oh boy. Uh, this is a quiz. <laughs> And I'm in school. And I had a lecture last week.
0: It's like a pre-quiz, like where they quiz you before to just benchmark your knowledge. And then at the end, you have it again. And and then we'll know how we did.
1: Okay. What I have in my mind right now about Community Solar is that it is a new, concerted, government-endorsed or supported effort to allow individuals to buy, quote unquote, solar power to offset their bill or to replace part of their bill. And they may not have solar power. They don't have solar power on their house, but there's a solar panel somewhere that they're somehow connected to. Whether that's actually connected or just financially connected, they're purchasing, quote unquote, solar power from a giant community grid or um, panel.
0: Yeah, it, that's it.
1: Okay, cool, wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about like why why does it exist now? Like what's helping it exist? How does it actually work? And then the other thing we talked about a bit was like, what are the challenges and what are some of the questions? And kind of the purpose of doing this was that we had talked about why does it exist why does it exist now why are we even talking about this and so I'm going to start with why we're talking about this so the reason we're talking about it is more and more states have started to adopt this regulation or legislation to let this idea of community solar exist so that people basically as you said can subscribe to fields of solar panels so and there's one fundamental reason which we'll get to that that they're letting you do this and it's not so that you can feel good about yourself that you're buying solar power i mean maybe that's what it is but you're really not directly buying solar power in all cases and we'll get into that too so the reason we're doing this is people are going to start to get things in the mail about community solar It's going to come in many forms. You can't put solar panels on your roof. So subscribe to this, they might call it a solar garden, might call it community solar and some very bad, poorly marketed efforts are going to be called virtual net metering. If anyone calls it that, they might actually know what they're talking about, but it's going to be pretty bad marketing and probably have pretty low adoption if they call it that. So that's why we're doing this is to make sure that when people start to get that uh, marketing in their face, whether it's on social media or whether it's coming into your mailbox, like so that people can kind of interpret what is it. So what is it? The main regulation that's come up, and this has been around for a long time. uh, It's just now starting to get traction. It's called virtual net metering. And there's this policy that came on a long time ago called net metering. And the idea was if you put solar panels on your roof, and of course you only make solar power during the day, so you're using solar power during the day, but you're probably shoving some of the electricity back onto the grid during the middle of the day just because you're probably making more on your home than you're actually using at that moment in time and so you'll start to push electricity onto the grid and then at night you're just all of your electricity is going to come. From, from the power grid. And so you're making more during the day. You're not making enough at night. This concept of net metering is completely a regulatory construct. It's not actually how electricity works, but it was a way to basically say, look, you make some in the middle of the day extra for the grid. They'll give you some essentially for free at night since you made some extra during the middle of the day. So this regulation was really what unlocked the solar industry altogether, residential solar. So the reason companies like SolarCity or Sunrun or any of those companies popped up is they're like, finally, this makes sense. We're not just going to dump electricity out of the grid and give it to the power company. Yeah. There's got to be some kind of quid pro quo. We're not going to get into this today, but there is a deep rabbit hole that you could go down into about uh whether that's fair who's getting the better is the homeowner getting the better end of this deal or is the grid getting the better end of this deal we won't get into that today so that's why that was net metering so originally net metering existed for a rooftop and a homeowner well then somebody i don't know who said well what if i don't have enough roof space so then somebody else somewhere said well what if we stick them out in the middle of the field and kind of do the same idea where the middle of the field solar panels will make some extra power, dump it into the grid. We'll get a bunch of money back. And then, well, at least we, we let's see if we can get the utilities to give us some free power at night if we dump some in during the day. Which is a little bit of a stretch. I mean, we're already sort of like, you know, bending the entire construct of running a power grid. Right. So then they were like, well, if the solar power is way over there and it's not on my roof, then how do I balance how much is being made out there in the field to how much I'm using in my house? Like now I need to know three things. I need to know how much power is being made out there. How much is my home using at this moment? And then how much are all the other homes using at this very moment? while that solar farm over there in the field is making power so now we have like this math problem that we have to do and the the thing the the easiest thing to do is just sort of like sum it all up for the year whatever's made and then subtract out all the stuff that you use at your home and all of the other people who have subscribed to this field of solar panels have used and we just do a little math problem and we say okay well You all used 100% of what this field used and so now we'll just say nobody owes a power bill anymore. That whole entire concept, that whole math problem that's going on sums up to this sort of poorly marketed term virtual net metering. That's what that means. I think we talked about this a bit when we were imagining what we talk about today. There's a website that's run by NC State University. It's been around since the day I graduated, possibly even before I graduated from college. Um, and it, when I graduated from college, I went right into the solar industry. And so, as soon as I came out, it's like I was tr- trying to learn what kind of regulations exist all over the place. And so, I came across this website called Desire USA, D S I R E U S A dot org, and it has basically every one of these regulations. So virtual net metering, net metering, any of these things will be found in this big database. And so there's a growing trend of states adopting this ability to um, basically allow homes to subtract the power that they use from the amount of power that's made by some field of solar panels over the middle of nowhere. So... So, yeah, that's virtual net metering. That is how this whole entire concept exists, is this this sort of agreement between the utility company and the legislators, regulators, and, and math. Basic addition and subtraction. And so what this does, this is very important, so what that does now is if I just made some solar power out in the middle of nowhere and I dumped it onto the grid, sold it to the grid, They're probably only going to pay me a few cents for that power per kilowatt hour. We'll say three cents per unit, a few cents per unit. On the other hand, if I can subtract the amount of units my home uses from that, I'm actually getting this value as a homeowner. I'm getting this value of like my entire cost per unit. My entire cost per unit as a homeowner is going to be around let's say 12 cents. So if I just, if I'm a company who just dumps solar power onto the grid, I might get paid a few cents, but if I can use it against a homeowner's power bill, I all of a sudden as a solar farm owner can get paid, like can, can get like 12 cents or more value from this. So if you just think about it, that means that virtual net metering, although it's this very simple math problem we're doing, between the utility company and the homes that are subscribed to it. Uh, there's four times the amount of revenue that's being made by this farm. So that construct alone has now made a lot of people with money say, yeah, we should probably buy some solar panels in the middle of the fields. Okay. Because now I have all of this extra revenue that I can make that I couldn't make before. Um, Yeah. So okay. that is actually what so what community solar is the way you put it at the beginning, that's exactly what community solar is and that's how it all exists. I think the details of it um, are what we're gonna cover next.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so as I've been, as we've been talking about the grid in general, I've learned from you that the grid has to be balanced all the time. Mm -hmm. So if you have excess energy coming in that's a bad thing.
0: Somebody's gotta do something with it.
1: So you could put it in a battery. You could. My question is, if all the power comes in during the day when the sun is shining, is the, are the power companies or the government actually gonna use that power? Or is it just sort of going to waste? Like they don't know what to do with it yet?
0: Uh, Really what's happening is like they're just having to turn off other things. So, I mean, the lights are always on. As long as the lights are on, it means the grid is balanced. So if you add a little bit more solar power from running these community solar farms, uh, they're really small compared to the size of the grid. So like it doesn't doesn't really affect the power utility that much. Um, but they do have to shut off other things that they otherwise would have used. Oh, that's like, good. Yeah, and so that's exactly it. And so they have to... So the theory always has been, if I put more solar power and more wind power onto the grid, and the grid has to be always in balance, then they have to shut off the things they were going to use otherwise.
1: The coal and o- the oil. And,
0: and the natural gas and all mm-hmm. of those things. That's always been the theory. Now what actually happens a lot of times is as you might imagine if you don't put a battery on that farm and you just put a whole bunch of these solar panels on people's homes and out in the middle of the fields and everywhere well, you're only making power in the middle of the day so even if you are able to shut off everything in the middle of the day you still have to find that as soon as the sun goes down again so it's not like you get to get rid of those power plants they still got to stick around for like after the sun goes down or or if the wind's not blowing and so that's a big that is always the question of like we said i said before like is this fair who's getting the better end of the deal here the utility still is going to keep or whoever runs those power plants they're still going to keep all the coal generating plants and the gas generating plants on until you can completely make up for that power every millisecond of the day. Not just for the middle of the day. With so every one of these regulations has a cap on the amount of community solar that can go in. Because if too much goes onto the grid, then then it, it causes problems for the utility company. Now the utility company has a bunch of assets that used to make money in the middle of the day. Or someone has assets that used to make money in the middle of the day, and now they don't make money anymore because the solar power is there. And so that that trend has happened over the last like twenty years in California in a big way. So they just keep putting up more stuff that's making more power in the middle of the day, in the middle of the day, in the middle of the day, and then the sun goes down, and it's like, well, I, here here come all of the generators that have just been sitting there all day long. It does move the needle to move that stuff off the grid, but you, you said it before. I mean, the answer, since I even started hearing about this 15 years ago, is like, well, batteries. We we'll just put batteries on, which is like 100% correct. Like, yeah, some kind of storage is the answer. So now we've got all this stuff being made in the middle of the day. So that's the thing about community solar is like, if you make it in the middle of the day, they have to find a some home for it who finds that home for it is that's like that varies widely between which utility. Some of the utilities out there would, you know, and there's only maybe a couple that have like some pilot programs that they've run that uh, while the solar is being made during the middle of the day, you could pre-cool your building. Does that make sense? It's like, mm-hmm. I'll get, I'll incentivize you to run your air conditioning before the sun goes down. So that your place is already cool for after the sun goes down. Like that's a program that utilities are trying to run. So they're trying to now figure out how do I get the, let's say the users of power to align better with the makers of the power. But as we are today, we have a regulatory construct that allows people to put solar panels up remotely who can't put them on their roof. Uh, That's purely mathematical financial regulatory construct. And then uh, and then we have this other sort of effort that is how do I make users do different things so that I can use more of the clean energy? And so that's that's just where we are today. And you're right, like if we could fast forward and just put batteries on all of these things, then great.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like maybe one of the motivators for people who do care a lot about sustainability and getting emissions down Would be, it's a way to finance and just get more solar panel plants up, even if they're not utilized to the best of their capacity yet. Yep. And then we'll figure out. Because then, you know, I don't know how long it takes to put up a solar farm, but I'm sure it's a year or two. I don't know. There's some time, so maybe (laughs) maybe not. But uh, I mean, sometimes you have to get these projects in play years in advance. And then I guess people probably also hope by the time we get there, there will be better systems to utilize the additional right. solar power.
0: Yeah, it definitely. Uh, we say like it's on the on the power grid. It's actually quite easy to create value for the power grid. Just kind of have to like you. Could, if you knew that it with the that the grid was peaking like which means like all the power plants are getting used that are there uh you could shut off your house you could shut off all your lights you could shut off all your stuff all your all of your comfort so creating value for the grid is actually quite easy you just shut stuff off when it's peaking and if it's not if it's not peaking and there's a lot of solar power getting made but it doesn't need to get made right now you could turn all your stuff on so that's creating value for the grid Is just like helping to match The hardest thing is capturing that value. So how do you actually get that value that you've created for the grid? That's incredibly hard. Um, And that's why historically it's always been these regulatory or market constructs. You have to have some kind of way to get paid for the value that you create. And so everything I've seen in my career, everything we've seen in, in clean energy, sustainable energy is mostly because... Some kind of financial or regulatory construct was made so that the people who create the value create the service actually get paid for the service that they create right it seems so logical in every other market
1: <laughs> it's a hard it's a really hard market
0: right it's like i if I make pens and I sell pens it's not hard to get compensated for the service or for the product that i've made uh but on the power grid, since we're all sort of connected in this uh, perfectly balanced ecosystem, it's like it's sort of like getting, creating, yeah, creating value and capturing value.
1: Should we talk a little bit about? Um, one thing I don't, I was a little unsure about when we prepared for this conversation was the profit share from community solar.
0: Oh, like who gets paid?
1: Like how does, is that a thing?
0: yeah 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 so so yeah getting into the idea so we've gone through like why it is why it exists now why does community solar exist now how does it work and then we get into the question of like how does the money flow so a very flippant answer to why this exists is that solar panels need to get financed so like if solar panels for your roof need to get financed they just look at your credit score like they would in a car, you're buying a car or you're buying something and then they'll say, okay, you have a good enough credit score, it looks like you're gonna pay your bills and you just lease them for your home and it makes your solar power for you. Basically, just like a car, you can lease it, you can get a loan for it, you can buy it outright with cash. It's just another asset that you're buying. In this particular case, you're buying it to make your power. In the world of virtual net metering, So the remote, the solar panels out in the middle of a field somewhere, that's a little trickier in that some company, some service provider has to come in and get a whole bunch of you in a bundle and they have to put you in this holding period where they say, okay, now I have enough people, let's say 150 homeowners who are willing to subscribe to this field of solar panels. Because the total amount of power that they use when t- will be taken away from the total amount of power that's made out in the middle of the field. And then there will be all of that money, all that value that's created, as we talked about, can now be shared across the company running the solar panels and the homeowners. If you sign up for Community Solar, the fundamental question you should ask is, how is the money split? Your power bill is the reason that this value exists. The fact that you've subscribed to this community solar farm, that is why this this value exists. So if you work with a community solar company who says, come subscribe to this community solar farm and I'll save you 5% on your power bill. The, qu- the immediate place my mind goes is like, well, how much money are you making? <laughs> And so that's a good question. It's like, how much money is the community solar company making for me to subscribe to this? Because I know that if my my power bill does not exist Mm -hmm. for this community solar company, Mm -hmm. they don't even have a business. Yeah. Like like I'm I'm the reason. Right. It's like I am the reason that this solar farm exists. Right. Now they're gonna do some. They're gonna do work. They're gonna have to go find the field, talk to the landowner, lease the land. Get the builders to come and build it, operate it every single day, make sure that my power bill is actually associated with this. So there is actually some work to be done. So I'm not saying they're doing nothing, but that would be, that's really important to note is that the existence of me as a homeowner subscribing to this is the reason that this business even exists for them. So, but at the end of the day, all that really has to happen is some money needs to get paid to get that solar farm to go in. Mm-hmm. So the way they do that is they look at that bundle. You're in a bundle with 150 other people. They look at all your credit scores. Mm-hmm. And they and then some bank or some lender over here says, okay. Or some investor says, I'll back that bundle of people.
1: That's kind you of know. cool.
0: Yeah. So, so now you have this relationship between the people who are going to build it, operate it, own it, manage all the subscribers. And sometimes those are a bunch of different people. You might have like a builder or developer or somebody who goes and deals with the land and the electricity and the environmental impact studies and all of those things and then you have another company that just deals with subscribers makes the mm-hmm. nice looking power bill instead of a you know your typical utility bill so they just create that experience for you and then as i said there's this lender or investor who puts the money in and then finances the solar panels
1: that's i really think that's interesting to think about how your individual good credit is contributing to the overall good credit of the funding of a solar power farm. Yeah. So they really have to use your your like social security number and stuff. Like they have to yeah. know all your stuff. Yeah. And then they have to pass it on to another party, a bank or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that would be, I mean, if I guess you could go into those questions for people. Like, I would assume if I was running one of these, I would make sure that that I was anonymized. You know, it's like this basket of 150 credit scores. It's probably even more than that. Like, they'll take, maybe they'll do 100 different fields of solar panels, which will actually have like 1,500 different or 15,000 different subscribers to it. And then they might say, ah, this has an average credit score of 710 or something like that. And that's how they get their money is basically through a lending program the same way as like a somebody financing cars or selling cars would do it
1: Mm -hmm. and it's like we talked about it's the power of networks um yeah and being able to you know have access to solar or to support solar farm development right in a part of it as part of a group
0: yeah and it's interesting because it's it's what's really fascinating is like the idea of everybody being able to get together in this group and subscribe to a community solar farm. I remember some of the first used to call them solar gardens or community solar gardens, you know? And I was like, okay, well we're going to get together 40 or 50 people and we're going to put like a, we're going to get the big field. There's going to be a big open field. And we're going to put like a, we're going to put a big table, like a banquet table out and we're going to get people to walk up to the field and sign up. And then, They'll have to sort of sit around for 18 months and then we'll call them 18 months from now and be like, hey, remember how you walked out to that field last year? Yeah, you it's time for you to start paying us now. Like that's a terrible user experience, but the early, early, early adopters of Community Solar, that was the experience. Companies have figured out uh, now how to sort of sell, you know, basically sell like renewable energy credits or something or offsets to people and then give them this experience of buying credits and then sort of shift them over. So now they've got them in, they've got them on the product. So now they can just look and say, Oh, I already have 150 people on this product. Now, 18 months from now, I'm going to start to subscribe them to community solar. So it's not so much of a, like a experience of like you walk up to a field, sign up at a banquet table walk away 18 months from now you're, yeah. you're subscribed you don't have to wait anymore there's sort of they've figured out a way to sort of hack that gap it was always hard to kind of corral people and keep them in the pen because who knows if 18 months from now once you've built this thing if people are still going to be even living there maybe they yeah. sold their house they're not even subscribed anymore so that was a that was something that had to be figured out for this to actually be a product that could scale and i think now there's enough companies out there that are Serving individual customers. I mean, these could be retail power companies, some states, not North Carolina, not Washington, but states like Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, Texas. Like these are, I shouldn't mention Texas. I shouldn't mention Texas because I actually don't, I don't know what their net metering. We can look that up afterwards and put that in the notes. I don't know what their net metering laws are there. So I don't know if this is even possible. So,
1: so ha- this is happening already?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's been happening for a long time. It's that quote of like, which I'm going to get this wrong, but it's like the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. <laughs> yeah. You know, that idea of like, yeah. uh, it's been going on for at least a decade and a half. Um, It's just now, like I said, some of these bad user experiences have been fixed by smarter, okay. not smarter, but just like more technologically driven companies and so now they've figured out how to like corral people and then subscribe them to these these farms so
1: that's more of like a business slash entrepreneurial step yeah than a government
0: yeah permitting i really i really hate this this phrase but they say it all the time in the energy business which is opportunity follows regulation which is so antithetical to like any entrepreneurial (laughs) effort it's like the idea that you have to wait for permission to, to go and provide value to people that's is not like, what
1: they do in san francisco they got I robots mean, delivering food no no that yeah. stuff's legal yeah like I U- mean, uber really. all
0: of those things I, mean, I think in some ways you have to sort of show people what's possible because it's hard for and i do have empathy for regulators who have to somehow figure out how to keep up with all that because it's true like people get burned by stuff And that's the job of the regulators to protect people from getting burned. And people could definitely get burned like literally and figuratively by electricity because it's invisible. It's just some kind of financial construct that does something to the grid. So if you put a solar farm in your backyard and you didn't tell the power grid that you were going to do it, they're not going to know. They're not going to be monitoring it. You know, if it's really, really big, then you could actually make everybody's power go out and blow up substations and various other things just by putting like rogue power onto the grid. And so that, that constant balance makes it, makes it really tricky. But, but yes, this is completely an entrepreneurial effort that has made it scale. It had to start as like someone had to say, I mean, the difference here is like, The utilities fine. It's like, sure, you want to put some solar panels on your house and stuff, and you don't want me to pay you anything for them. Okay, thanks, (laughs) some free electricity for me. But see, like, that's not. That's where this particular regulation that allowed this community solar thing to happen had to occur for this entrepreneurial step to. And and that
1: regulation was the virtual net metering, Mm -hmm. where you get paid for the power you create.
0: Yeah, you basically get to net it out against your power that you create. It's just like a, you make some and they'll ha- give you some credits for it against your nighttime And
1: it has usage. to be associated with individual home consumption.
0: I think in some places, this may not be the same case anymore, but I do believe that in some cases it's easier for these community solar companies to subscribe like one pretty large commercial customer, if they have commercial virtual net metering, Uh then, or industrial. And
1: that's also a, a thing, like a legal thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Like it could be residential. It could be commercial. Okay. They'll put like, how many homes are allowed to subscribe? Like all of these are just different rules to keep it tamped down and not let it get out of control. Last I looked at it, it was like 40% of a community solar farm could get subscribed to by a commercial customer. And then the rest is 60%. I think that was a really a way for the regulation to allow these community solar service providers to, to scale because they were like, wow, that would be hard to right. get 150 customers into this bucket. But if I could just get 60, mm-hmm. you know, 60%, well, well I was going to say if I could get 60 of those homes used by one single commercial customer, that's only one, that's not 60 different sales I have to make. Right. I can just make one sale and then I'll go fill in the other 90 homes.
1: And is this, are the, are these regulations about commercial and residential virtual net metering, are they different per state? Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's why I was plugging the desiredusa.org thing is because like every single state is different. The caps are different. How close they're allowed to be is different. So you could have some places where it's like, you know, you can't be within two miles of each other. That's because you don't want the grid to get overloaded in one location, so you sort of spread it out, but yeah, state by state
1: what what two things can't be within
0: two like miles? two solar go, oh. two solar farms oh. two community solar farms might not be able to be within like two miles of each other, and so if you were a really big landowner, let's say, and it was two miles from the let's say from the south end to the north end of your land, you know you might be able to get two, probably only one on your land. So you could own a ton of land and think, well, yeah, I'm going to be able to cover this thing in solar panels and get leases from all these people. And it's like, you can't. Maybe not. Yeah, they'll cap like the the amount. And honestly, like this, this community solar, we're talking about it very specifically as community solar. But if we come, I was going to say come up a level, but, you know, up one layer of abstraction or, you know, let me say that again. Basically, if we go to a more fundamental level than community solar, then this is really how, when you hear that Google's hundred percent renewable, really what's happened is they're doing the same thing in a way. They're like agreeing to pay a price. They're basically agreeing to like put up their credit against some big solar farm. So if that solar farm doesn't make enough money, Google will make up for it. That's basically what they've agreed to. It's like if Google gets the credit, uh, I shouldn't say it like that. If Google gets the renewable energy certificates, which basically is like they made the solar, they made the power. If they get those, then they tell this like certification authority hey just so you know i had the certificate right so
1: maybe lead or something
0: uh actually so in this case they're they're called like generation information systems or gis gener- so uh no sometimes <laughs> sometimes they have there's the western oh, i always forget the name it's like the western renewable energy generation information system
1: okay but they just put that regis, they're carbon neutral wherever they want
0: all right it was regis with a silent w Okay, <laughs> And then there's another one. There's some other ones that are called generation attribute tracking system, which is like GATS. So I, it, that's sort of, you can go research those all you want. The point is it's like a nonprofit certification authority that basically says, I guess similar to leads. Yeah. It, it is for building emissions. These generation tracking systems are there so that Google or anybody who wants to say that they're green green powered mm-hmm. can go and retire these so that no one else can use them and so you go and retire them and you say hey i i retired this many units of electricity for this year to these things of green electricity and then look at my buildings i used this much so i used this much over here but i retired this many credits right no matter where i got those from i yeah. still get to retire them and mm-hmm. and then that's how you get to um, that's one of the financial constructs that we've used to, and really regulatory constructs we've used to allow companies to say, I'm green powered. Mm-hmm. Still some questions around whether that, I, I still think it's, it always comes back to the same thing. If you're a complete idealist or a purist, nothing's good enough. Not yet. It's not good enough until everything is run 24 seven not even 24-7, like literally every millisecond by, <laughs> you know, it's, there's no averages. It would have to be every single thing that's on our grid right now doesn't emit carbon and everything that doesn't emit carbon has been retired and shut down and isn't even allowed to be there. That's the idealist view. And all the other things we're talking about are basically like, how do I get these things financed? How do I get the revenue to flow to a company so that they'll actually wake up in the morning? Some entrepreneur or, or executive team or employees or whoever will wake up in the morning and work on this Mm -hmm. so that's what all these uh, these things are for i think one last point on this is community solar is fundamentally the whole program virtual net metering the community solar program subscribers the lenders lending against the credit scores it's all just to get the solar panels and the project paid for
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: right it's like how do i get it paid for how do i make people enough money so that it pays back the loan and it can get on the grid so and there are many many constructs but every single time somebody says I'm buying solar power I'm buying renewable energy I'm buying this it's like most of the time you're not buying it Mm -hmm. most of the time you're just like putting up your credit or your balance sheet yeah to allow it to get financed
1: it's like moving little credits around but they are supporting the projects and people and infrastructure that people are trying to create it's just like it's all not perfectly connected yet it's kind of like right little pieces moving around
0: yeah the only people who are truly like and again like i hate to even get into this argument because i do think a lot about the actual (laughs) grid, like what's happening to the actual physical infrastructure because to me if we really want to achieve the goal of decarbonizing electricity fundamentally it's like we got to get all the carbon emitting things gone and so these are like all these little steps it's going to be everything. We're going to have to use it all, and mm-hmm. and every single thing you can do to try to get there. I think is um, is important. I think it's also important to have conversations like this, where actually you dig into the weeds. And you're like, what's actually happening here? What am I being told I'm doing mm-hmm. versus what am I doing?
1: Yeah, right. It's um, not that it's bad. It's just that it's really complicated, and yeah. it's been simplified.
0: It's been simplified to and make it easy to market and easily palatable so that people can
1: Yeah, there's a subscribe. reason for that. Because yeah. it's so complicated. People just want to say this is a good thing.
0: Right. And, and it's important for us to not believe that the simplification of things is not people trying to pull the wool over your eyes. It's like yeah. in fact it's they're just trying to make it easier for you to understand this complicated concept. Yeah. And but sometimes I do I've probably I felt definitely fell prey to this in my in the early days of being in this industry because um, I was so focused on like, well, you know, the actual electricity flow onto the grid at a certain point mm-hmm. and <clears throat> right. being so obsessed with that it sort of makes you miss this whole thing. It's just like, well, that's fine. But and that is required, but if, I don't need to understand how microphone cables work to talk into mm-hmm. this microphone. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the same thing with community solar. It's like you don't, I mean it's nice for, if you really want to know, you can get all the way down to it but at the end of the day, it's like, look, they just need your power bill and they need your credit score so you can get some lending. Right. They need to get some money to build these things and because you're putting up your credit score and your power bill, now these companies can get their solar power financed and yeah. make profit and continue on the path towards decarbonizing the grid whether it's, it's like, perfect or not it's like it's so crowdfunding
1: boring. where except you don't wait for the product to come out they start paying you back for
0: it right away they start paying you back for it as soon as it gets turned on
1: as soon as it gets turned on
0: yeah they still have to buy the, they still have to build the system so depending on how permitting goes and all of that stuff like with the actual site i mean you could be sitting in a waiting list or in a queue waiting for your community solar program to start you could be waiting there for years hmm.
1: that makes definitely sense.
0: months definitely a year but mm-hmm. um yeah
1: what about okay one thing we talked about that we should bring up i think is um the inflation reduction act because you said you've mentioned to me that that is going to impact this
0: yeah i just it tosses a few more it tosses a few like federal policies on top of the state policies that make it potentially more beneficial. You can get more tax credits. So your financing theoretically could be cheaper. Um, Do you have
1: to, sorry.
0: No, I was just going to say your money could be less expensive. The lender, the lenders could, you know, Take less return in the form of cash payment and take more of their return in the form of tax credits. so the
1: federal government is supporting this yeah with the with this new inflation reduction act
0: yeah, yeah, a lot of it came down to tax credits, like getting okay. more tax credits for putting it in more uh, like economically disadvantaged areas so mm-hmm. because really like if you think about it, if a farmer has some piece of land that they can't grow crops on. Like this sort of gives them an opportunity potentially to put a small, small field of solar panels up and they can get paid for it. So that would be like land they weren't getting paid for. And now they might be able to get paid for a while. I mean, this could be, this could be decades of payments, at least over a decade of payments. That's cool. And it's a permanent installation really. I mean, I guess you could dismantle them, but it just allows farmers to be able to have a new, uh, farmers are specifically in disadvantaged areas to have a a, we'll call it a new cash crop Mm -hmm. Um, and and large utility scale stuff doesn't really do that like when i say utility scale i mean like the gigantic fields of solar panels that you drive by on the freeway that would be considered utility scale very rare that a that a farmer is going to sacrifice that much of their cropland (laughs) to give to put up solar. So if you're giving low income people savings on their power bill because they're subscribing to community mm-hmm. solar farms. I and I think you kind of stack the tax credits. So like I think you can get up to like fifty percent of the investment in the solar farm can come back in the form of tax credits. So if you got a million dollar farm, it's like five hundred thousand of that is gonna be in tax credits like year one if you make it for low income in a in a disadvantaged area. So low income people subscribing in an economically disadvantaged area, you could end up with, with getting a bunch of sort of federal tax credits to lower your money, lower your cost of money. Cool. Yeah. Riveting stuff. Really? I think anytime anybody brings up the inflation reduction act, it's like, um, I always sort of like feel this chill. Cause I'm like, I didn't read all of it. <laughs> <laughs> So we have to fact check any of this stuff. The politicians
1: don't even read all of it. <laughs> That's right. they're, they're t- I've, I've worked yeah. in Congress.
0: Yeah. They
1: they're, don't? They're, they're teams, Their <laughs> teams do. Somebody on their staff yeah. does.
0: And they brief them. And
1: they brief them, and then yeah. they go vote. There's a little bell.
0: <laughs>
1: it rings like four or five times a day. They have to go, really? or at least twice a day. Oh they have gosh. to go vote. And it's like, no way they're reading all this stuff. Yeah. They don't have time. Yeah, but sometimes they just play solitaire instead which is kind of depressing
0: my gosh that's going to be an entire episode we're just going to talk about like what do your politicians do for real
1: they pay their staff to work their butts off overnight all day (laughs) they put all the responsibility of their entire career onto the backs of their 20 staff people yeah. And then they sit in their office and they play solitaire and they meet with celebrities and then they go vote.
0: This and they incredible. they raise money. It's incredible. We definitely need to have like a politician <laughs> on here. We need to I'm sure
1: they don't all do that. Yeah. But
0: some of them do. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to be that specific. <laughs>
1: that's, that's Especially crazy. the career ones that are like, yeah, I got this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, and in some ways it's like they're re- they're supposed to be representing. That is what's always struck me is like this idea that it's like their job is to sort of represent the people who voted for them and like it's like, well, the staff members can probably do that research of what would the people want.
1: They do take, yeah. they do catalog and respond and listen to somebody on their team, sometimes an unpaid intern, like I was <laughs> <laughs> will listen to every person that calls in or emails
0: that's incredible
1: you spend you spend so much time just listening to people so actually if you if you call your congressperson it's not impossible that your message might be relayed to somebody whose issue that is on their team especially if a bunch go. of people call with an opinion definitely it doesn't doesn't not work
0: yeah well I, I mean actually this sort of gets to what I what we were talking about before about you shouldn't always think that what seems – what, like if something is different than what you expected, we shouldn't automatically jump to, well, that's wrong. Right. Right? It's like this idea that it's like, well, just because these solar programs are actually just like financial and regulatory constructs to make it so solar can get financed, you're not actually buying renewable energy in many cases – even though you might tell all your friends about it at a cocktail party that, well, I'm buying solar because I subscribe to the solar farm. But like some company might be buying your credits and retiring those. So actually they went solar. You just put up your credit score so that the solar panels could get financed. Yeah. Even though that seems weird, it's not inherently bad. Yeah. Just like it's not inherently bad that, our, that the person who's good at talking and convening people and they're good at, marketing and staying high level and getting people rallied around issues aren't also the people who like dig deep in the email chains. Like, even though that might not be what we want to believe in an idealistic sense is going on, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it doesn't mean that it's such a bad thing. I I think in some, in a lot of cases, I know some politicians who probably would even say this, sometimes you don't really want the politician down at that level, (laughs) Yeah like, it doesn't necessarily mean something good is going to happen if they start they might not be in. the
1: best person at understanding it and right. picking the right vote. Yeah Someone who's really well versed in whatever the topic is that community they're assigned solar. to, community solar, they're on the sustainable <laughs> energy.
0: right. Maybe that's the right person for that job, and the the generalist politician is not necessarily the person. maybe they should just be playing solitaire. Maybe that's actually what's best for our country is if our more politicians would just play solitaire. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe we th- should uplift them and be like, "It's okay. It's okay that you're playing solitaire." I
1: mean, I'm sure do he, more of that. He, it's not like he wasn't working. Like he, that man I had to run all over.
0: Yeah, this is a specific person you're referring to.
1: Yeah, I could get in a lot of trouble. This. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well. I think we're gonna, this, this is an investigation that's going to go on now.
1: <laughs> I'm going to have to update my LinkedIn so it doesn't reflect this.
0: <laughs> this is going to be so easy to find out. No. <laughs> to um, be continued. Um, uh,
1: wait, can I say, I feel yeah. like after we've talked about it more, I feel like if I were going to participate in community solar, which actually it sounds pretty cool, like if I got like a cool energy bill and they were like, you it's almost like you're supporting a crowdfunded little startup campaign for us like a particular solar plant Yep. and it's still cool even though maybe it's not actually those electrons from that plant may not or almost always are not going to be like actually powering your house.
0: Yeah. We should probably dig into that a little bit because I think there's two things. There's are the electrons going to your home. Electrons. We're not going to dig in it. Electrons go to wherever they need to go. If you turn your toaster on, some electrons are going to flow into it to power it. Like, period. Where those came from is kind of irrelevant. I think more importantly is to dig into, like, where do the certificates, where does the actual, like, certification go? That is actually something you might want to ask. Likely, like, don't, if you're thinking about buying solar power or whatever and you start digging into like where are the electrons going <laughs> and, like, you're where be... are
1: bob Fred, and Sally the electrons <laughs> exactly. going that
0: but... yeah this is like a portlandia episode <laughs> or something like that where it's like <laughs> have you named each of your solar panels do you know where their children are going <laughs> uh okay. when the electron cracks free of the in the starts flowing in the solar panel. <laughs> Do you know where your I just,
1: electron? Uh, right. This could go the wrong way. Yeah. This could go down some funny, weird conspiracy. <laughs> so.
0: We're already there. We already did. We already like you know trashed politicians. <laughs> All politicians play solitaire. You heard it here first. All politicians play <laughs> solitaire. Community solar electrons aren't actually going where you think they're going. <laughs>
1: But okay, so So, okay, so that power is getting generated. We can assume that it's getting used somewhere, and that's that's good. And that that grid is going up. We're basically funding, helping to crowdfund this new not grid, uh, power, solar power or Mm -hmm. wind power, something sustainable plant. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, in the future, we'll have technology to help utilize that even more with Mm -hmm. batteries or whatever we decide to do to.
0: I will say one thing, I have to interject one thing. The only way batteries are going on that community solar plant is if virtual net metering goes away.
1: Oh. Virtual net
0: metering acts as like a financial battery. <laughs> it stores the stuff you made on the balance sheet and then it credits you when, when you're using stuff that wasn't made. Well,
1: it's, a, it's a bigger version of what happens if you put solar on your house and you're connected Correct. to the grid.
0: That's exactly right. It's like, yeah, it's a remote version of what happens on your, on your roof. And so that's the only way batteries are going in. So at some point, the 20 staff members (laughs) are going to have to dig back into this legislation. We need like a clock on it. There needs to be like some kind of clock ticking. And then at some point, there needs to be a metric that, that the grid gets saturated enough with net metered solar, and then that needs to get turned off. So now now people need to put in batteries. You can give them like a grace period. It's like, look, you need to have a battery on your home by, I don't know, 12 months from now, 24 months from now. That's probably what should happen. It's like, we need to phase out, not right now, but like we need to phase out net metering eventually so that you create, again, you create a market opportunity for a battery for the same thing to happen with batteries. The same thing would happen. They'd be like, hey, I uh, just want to let you know uh, your power bill They're going to phase out net metering, virtual net metering. So your power bill is going to go up by this amount. We would like to finance a battery over here. So anybody who wants their power bill to not go up by this amount and stay down where it is, say yes. Let's get a battery. Yeah, we got to get a battery. So those 20 staff members have to figure it out because it's ultimately going to come down to you're going to get in another argument because this is the thing that's going to happen. It happens every time. Like, to get net metering into place, the U.S. was way behind. I mean, this has been in Denmark for a long time. A lot of Europe had it for a long time.
1: Europe is always ahead of us.
0: Definitely. They're yeah. just,
1: they're an older culture. They've Old lived.
0: culture. I think they have more, I don't want to say more control, but they definitely have more like ability to.
1: That's a whole nother conversation.
0: Yeah, let's not go into that. Yeah,
1: But I didn't know this. <laughs> I didn't know that this was something that had already been done in yeah. Europe. And, and it makes sense to me that we are now doing it now.
0: Yeah, and we've been, like I said, we've been doing it for, in various places, at various levels, um, we've been doing it for a, a couple decades now, at least a decade and a half. And I think that, but again, like it was hard to get past. We were behind getting it past, so it's likely we'll also be behind phasing it out. Yeah. Because <laughs> well. now that it's there, it's going to be harder for people to be like, I mean, I think what has to be made is, like, the economic argument for batteries needs to be made. And the fact that, like, hey, now we can take this, like, middle-of-the-day solar power, which is not really needed, and we can start, like, putting it in the night times. In the bank. Yeah. Putting it in the, put it in the storage bank and then bring it back The financial bank. Yeah. In this case, so the batteries are a battery, are an electron bank. Like, they're an actual, like, they fix the physical part.
1: Fred, Sally, and Todd, the electron, can out. go sleep.
0: Correct. Yeah unfortunately one of them probably over time is going to die that's just what happens in batteries sally didn't make it yeah but fred
1: and todd are yeah ready for the next day yeah
0: or the middle of the night evening yeah yeah they should be there for the evening yeah so that's really important like as i was saying before we have to create these financial constructs in lieu of technological constructs like physical constructs
1: and we'll talk about You'll talk about that more because you know so much about carbon offsets and carbon credits and how, and that it's yeah. a, it's a, it's different, but it's yeah. attached to the way this is being financed, which is yeah. moving the credits around.
0: I appreciate you saying that. I know so much about it. There are people who know a lot about this stuff and we should try to get them on the podcast. If you're out there, anyone who knows a lot and will admit it, that they know a lot about carbon offsets. I think what I do understand is that a lot of these are ways to store the information about what happened somewhere and who paid for it. That's what all these things are for is who paid for the goodness to happen somewhere else. That's what these credits are for. It's just like, it's like money, right? Like money yeah. Dollar bills are just, a they're like a storage device to say, someone created a service over here. Right. So we're going to store that in that. They're going to store that service that they sold in this dollar until they need to go buy a service from somebody else. And then they're going to move that over. And they're going to store that in there. Mm-hmm. So that's really, I mean, it's the same thing with these credits. And I think in lieu of being able to do things constantly in real time with the physical nature of electricity, like constant, constant mm-hmm. barter system, This is where we're going to have to go. I mean, it's crazy. This whole idea of like, it used to be so simple for these utility companies to just just like sell power one way. It's like, I know what you would like. Mm -hmm. Here you go.
1: You'd like that toaster to make you some toast today.
0: Exactly. You'd like
1: some warm bread.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you're happy to pay me for it. You'll rent these wires and everything from me for eternity if I'm the utility company. And then somebody was like, no, we actually want to make our own stuff. And so then they were like, then the utility was like, oh, okay, the peasants want to make their own stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the Peasants want to sell me something. And so then they had to make, then we started making stuff on our roofs and we sort of had to, in some way, because we didn't have good battery technology and it wasn't cheap enough and the economics just mm-hmm. didn't work out. We had to say like, please utility company and staff members of well-meaning politicians will you please give us the ability to get paid some extra for the solar power we're making in the middle of the day so they said okay sure we'll give you net metering and then people without good rooftops and solar exposure on the roof said hey we want to be involved too and so the 20 staff members well-meaning politicians said hey we should think about these people without good rooftops over here let's give them remote financial constructs for them to be able to sort of put up their credit score and their balance sheets and possibly their money to crowd support these these community solar farms. And then, it's, and then like we were talking about, like at some point somebody's gonna have to say, hey, batteries, they're affordable, they can shift the physical nature of the grid Um, but yes, we will not dig into the, the credits, the certificates, Mm -hmm. the offsets. Those are, that's a big, that's sort of a thorny conversation. Um, but yeah, so now, so now is the ultimate moment. You have, now I have to quiz you.
1: Oh, well, I was going to ask you, Mm -hmm. are you yay or nay? If you had to go vote in Congress for community solar, The, the bell is ringing. All right, Greg, you're off. Go vote,
0: yeah, I'm yay, you're yay, okay, yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's the necessary next step I mean, there's so many details of it that I would feel differently about like how they run the programs, but I'm the wrong person to ask, like I, I mean we were talking about like a pretty multi dimensional problem here in the sense that it's like well, you could be a purist or an idealist about how it should be, and then no one will adopt it because it's completely un. Like you just, it's not understandable at all. Mm-hmm. I think you really have to balance that. Like, what gets it adopted? What is the co- What is the actual cost of batteries now? Um, I think there's if you have virtual net metering in some parts of the country where electricity mm-hmm. is very expensive, and you don't really need more solar power in the middle of the day, like California, mm-hmm. you really do not need more solar power in the middle of the day, or. To the max. I mean, it's, it's, and so like those are places where I might, if I'm one of 20 people, a well meaning politician's office, I've got a big, giant heart about wanting to decarbonize the grid. Ideally, you also have like a big brain that says we should decarbonize the grid and not just a, a big heart that says we should. And, uh, and I think, I would probably start pushing to get rid of of net metering.
1: In especially in California where there's Especially there. Yeah.
0: Especially when you start to like really stress out the grid in the middle of the day. I think at that point you start to say solar plus storage is cheap enough now. But like I'm telling you if anybody listens to this who are running like solar leasing companies or any of those things are all like <gasps> like please please don't scary <laughs> it is i mean i think i don't look at it that way i think it creates another revenue opportunity for these people like in many cases they've paid off these systems many times over they're just collecting this lease now they've already paid off their financing but you also run into the issue of the fact that some of these systems some of these contracts were written with homeowners like 10 years ago when the price of solar power was like solar panels were way higher it's like these people are not going to go replace all of that solar because they still have a 15, possibly even 25-year life left on the solar panels. So if you haven't paid off your financing yet, that would be an interesting study for 20 staff members of politicians to go through and see how many solar companies out there, what's like the remaining balance due, you know what I mean? I mean, some of these companies are public, so you could probably just go to their financials and find out like, What are the remaining balances do on these solar leases? Because if they're already paid off and it's just companies are just like, just pure profit coming in on these solar leases. It's like, well, now you can start to say, it might be kind of annoying for people to change their business models, but that is the solution. The solution is you got to get rid of this financial construct where people can just artificially shift their, you know, what were the names of the electrons?
1: Sally Todd and... Something we'll go
0: with salient, Todd. Uh, to shift those to the evening, put them in a battery, shift them to the evening. That's not gonna, like I said, that's not gonna happen with virtual net metering, right? And net metering, it's just there's just no economic reason for anyone to change, right? And nobody's gonna do it out of the kindness of their heart because nobody's gonna finance those batteries mm-hmm. unless there's like actual money mm-hmm. flowing in for providing them. So I, I know so. I just said yay, but I say yay with like, I'm yay community solar where it economically makes sense and right now and right now yeah, not forever not forever no
1: and uh should we mention that you might have a friend from a community solar company Mm,
0: no that's not very firm but i will say i have a friend who has told me that he knows somebody (laughs) so like a friend of a friend who might be able to come on and tell us all the things we got wrong
1: Okay, (laughs) cool. Well, I think we're good for this Gregasode.
0: Well, you have to, no, we have the final quiz.
1: Oh, okay, I'm ready.
0: What is Community Solar?
1: It is a business that is receiving incentives from the government and the power companies to find individuals and corporations who would like to invest in the development of a solar farm that they can all share the rewards of.
0: That's close. The only the only edit would be like, these individuals and companies may not invest. They invest in the sense that they're just paying back the loan. Like the actual people investing will be some Oh right some bank or fund or something like that so some fund
1: they participate:
0: Yeah, they're putting up their credit scores and their and their or their balance sheets or their
1: Do they have to commit you know. for a certain amount of time.
0: Yeah, usually a commitment period. there's a contract yeah yeah So that's an important I mean but that's exactly right I mean it's basically these people are gathering around to support this solar project and really just to get it financed and then once it's financed, then who pays it back? The people who subscribed it's a it's a cool construct okay but again like it's got a it has a expiration date and i guess my only hope is that people are paying attention to that expiration date because mm-hmm. the company's running the community solar subscription they're a perfect group to also run the battery situation so it's not like they're going to go out of business or you're like putting these community solar people who have done a great job of acquiring customers. Acquiring customers is expensive. Mm-hmm. You got to pay for all those ads and mailers and campaigns and all the things that you do. Mm-hmm. And so once you've acquired a customer, you don't want to lose that customer because some regulatory construct puts you out of business. Um, so they're a logical group to also then go put batteries in.
1: Yeah. Maybe they could lobby for it themselves.
0: Maybe. But now you're asking these people to like change, like lobby to have to change their business. Values. Oh yeah. They're probably not going to want to do That's that. That's one of the questions we should ask if we do get somebody on about community solar.
1: That's a good, good point. Well, thank you for educating me on this topic and I look forward to our next Greg.
0: thank you. Thank you for taking the quiz. You're welcome. Yeah. You got like a, I think you got like a B plus.
1: Yay. <laughs> that was my normal. That was like my, that was my grade I always got. It was like an A minus or a B plus, which yeah. I always felt like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Was good enough. Balanced life. Balanced life. Yeah. That's it. B is for balance. B is for <laughs> yeah. balance.
1: A yeah. is for. Yeah. Anxiety. Anxiety. <laughs> All right.
0: That's good. Okay. Yeah. This is exciting.
1: Yeah. That was fun. That was fun.
0: I want to just do more of these. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the world changing podcast. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube to hear the latest episodes.